And hello and welcome to the Worldwide Chelsea Podcast. It's episode 86. It's your host Matt back again today to talk about what has been a wonderful week for Chelsea in terms of this week, not the rest of the weeks because they've been awful. We will talk about that later on. But we have won another quarter final against Brentford and we're now into the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, however you want to call it. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Jesters. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, brilliant. It's uh, good that we win uh, a game that we all were saying, well, we don't really care if we win because uh, there's so many injuries, so many players out. But, uh, you know, we, we went in, we did the things we were supposed to do. We got the W, we moved forward. We had another, another chance, a couple chances to smack Tottenham up this year, which is always good. And... Uh, you know, we're still in every competition that's possible in the world, by the way. There's, we're, we, we have, of course, the Super Cup and the Club World Cup coming up and the uh, Carabao Cup and the FA Cup and the Premier League and the Champions League. What else more do you want? Yeah, I mean, as you said, there's nothing else unless we want to get a unless we want to do the Europa League and the Champions League at the same time. We want to play loads of games. That's fine. We can do it. If anyone's got a big enough squad to do both Europa League and Champions League, we can. But there you go. I mean, you kind of explained it perfectly. We're in every competition. Whether we're likely to win each competition or not is another question. But we will get to that later on in the season. I mean, let's focus on this game. So we'll give you guys little stats breakdown of the game. So uh, in terms of possession, Chelsea had 67% possession compared to Brentford's 33. Uh, we had a total of 15 shots compared to Brentford's four, with seven on target for us and three on target for Brentford. Brentford had a total of three corners compared to our two. Both teams missed a total of two big chances each. Um, in terms of passes, Chelsea made 734 passes, which was an 88% accuracy. Uh, compared to Brentford's 350 passes, which was a 77% accuracy. Uh, in terms of dribbles, 89% success rate for Chelsea, 77% for Brentford. Um, Jesters, that, that points to what the result was and points to a good performance. Now, to you, was it a good performance, good result? Yeah, I, I really was impressed by, uh, number one, the youngsters that came through. Um but besides that, we of course we had Kepa and goal. We had a back three with uh, Cesar Aspilicueta, who you you would think would do good. He's the captain of the football team, but his performances recently have been subpar. Uh, Trevor, which has been turning up, but he's still a youngster, first time in, in uh, actually leading the line, I believe, as the center center back, and then Malang Sar. So. And in the midfield, we had uh, Saul, who has looked better in the past couple of games. So it's not only the youngsters that were played. Um, we didn't have very many starters on the pitch. I mean, you would say Mateo Kovacic is a starter at when he's fit. You could say Trevor is okay, but he's, young, he's still young. And then... Well, you know, Marcus Alonso, but you know, yeah, Marcus yeah. Alonso. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, I don't want to admit that Marcus Alonso is our starting left wing back right now, but <laughs> you can't deny reality, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunately what we have to deal with at the moment. But yeah, I mean, the, with the situation we had, I think we can't we can't complain with it. I think it was, I wouldn't say it was a fantastic performance, but it was a decent enough performance. I always felt the goal was going to come. Um, they had a few counter-attacks in the first half, but I think the second half they had nothing um, really at all. Uh, I think the, the chances they had... Uh, I'll give respect to him straight away. I think Kepa made some good saves, and I think every time he's come on uh, and we've called, he's we've called upon him, he's stepped up reasonably. So I am I'm quite happy with Kepa at the moment. Um, as I, I wouldn't say he's a, again, I wouldn't want him to be a first choice goalkeeper for us, but if he wants if he wants to be a backup, then I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, especially a cup keeper because we know how good he is with penalty shootouts. Um, but we will go into. Uh, each of the some of the player performances and then go into a few more topics we'll start off with the glaring ones that exploded twitter last night the three debutants uh from our youth academy uh jude Suzak bell harvey vale and javier simons um just as i know some people will say that you're a bit more cynical towards the younger players i know that's not true but what was your uh verdict of their performances yesterday yeah, I think they played well. I mean, um, at the at the very base, they gave us 45 minutes to rest uh, players that have been playing in our rotation. Uh, that's that, that's the worst thing you can say is that they gave us 45 minutes. The best thing you can say is they actually look didn't look out of place, right? Um, to varying various degrees, I think uh, Vale was probably the most that he got the most touches, and he was of course on. Uh, you know, the most forward attacking of, of all our, our uh, youth players. But they all looked like there was something to them, right? They didn't look like, oh, you can't, no, you got, you have to go away. Uh, that's, we didn't see that. So I, you know, pleasantly surprised that, you know, they didn't do a whole lot as in, you know, there was one big chance. Uh, but you know their day, their their pro debuts, uh, and so I, I I find it really hard to sit there and nitpick about this or that, um, especially when you had to, you know, uh, Boss Barkley didn't show up. Dross Barkley did. Yeah, that's so exactly that, what I was going to call him in the next session. Dross Barkley. Uh, God, yeah, he uh... he he was diabolical. So he they didn't get any help from him, but. Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised. So I don't have anything negative to say about the youth at all. They were, they were, they when it came in and did a job for us, and it makes you, um, makes you a little bit more confident if certain one, uh, a couple of these players are called upon, um, because we do have a lot of competitions, like we just said. I could see some of some of these three, uh, you know, a couple of these three playing in the Club World Cup. Yeah, um, I mean, we've got we've got Chesterfield in the FA Cup. I'm sure that's a yeah. game where you can throw them in because you've. I had a Arsenal friend that was going at me last night saying, "Oh, Charlie Patino scored on his debut, but Jude Soames up Bell didn't." And I was like, "You're playing Sunderland. We're playing." Brentford, and it wasn't a Brentford team that was heavily rotated, apart from Ivan Tony and one other, I can't remember what other player, I think it was Norgard or something that wasn't playing. That was near enough their starting lineup. Um, they were 
new enough at fully strength. They've had a nice little bit of rest period because of their own COVID issues, um, which would have been nice to have ourselves, but we'll get back into that a little bit later on. But yeah, I think it was a great uh, overall performance of some of it. I think if I was to rank them in terms of an order, I think Vale uh, was the most promising, had that chance that I think he could have done a little bit better at. But as a young kid like that, maybe... You, you could argue he's probably wanted, he's probably saw the spotlight, wants to get that goal, maybe tried a bit too hard of it. But he did quite well um, due to Bell. He's some quite good up link-up player. I think he was a bit quiet. But as I always keep saying, which striker for Chelsea is ever not quiet? Um, they're all been quiet at the moment. And I think it's more because of the players around him rather than them themselves. But there you go. And I think Simon's, I think he struggled a little bit. He got caught out a few times. But... At, at the same at the same point, he usually plays in midfield or not a wing back. So it is not only it's his debut and his first time in men's football, but he's doing a position that he's not usually used to. So I think credit for him for coming in and then due to Bell and Vale as well, where they've been out of it, uh, non-COVID illness themselves. So the fact that they've come back in and uh, looked comfortable, I'd say, looks comfortable against another Premier League team. I'd say that I'd say for me that success, even if they failed, I, I wasn't going to judge them because it's a big step up for them. Um, and you could argue it's too big a step up, but they've shown as common players are currently trying to do a lot. I mean, we've seen with Chalaba this season steps up all the time, even when we think is he going to is he going to drop now? Is he going to drop? And he hasn't, which is good. Um, and as you said, there's some other certain player that we're going to talk about next that was outshot. You'd think he's a youth player, um, but no, he's a 26, 27-year-old player uh, who's still struggling with the ball, um, which we'll get into him now. Why, why not? Dross Barkley. Uh, Sadiq will call him Ross the Boss, um, but I don't think you call him Ross the Boss anymore because he's of, it, honestly, he's useless, isn't he, Jesters? Yeah, he's not uh, He's not Chelsea level. Look, we were known as... It, and even even average players in the Premier League can have good games every once in a while. Can can have moments, and sometimes we 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 latch onto those moments and kind of extrapolate. Well, he you know he did this and this, so he you know he really has it. But that's even average or even sometimes bad players can have good moments, good games, good you know period of uh, run of games even. It's just Ross is not, he's just not Chelsea level. It's time to send him on his way. And January would be fine with me to send him Newcastle, Burnley, Leeds, whoever wants him. You know, come up with the money, you know, sign the tang, send him on his way. It's, it's, it's time for him to go. Yeah, I mean, what surprised me the most in that game was that Barkley stayed on for as long as he did because I obviously now I understand that some of the younger players were a bit under the weather and not fully ready to play 90 minutes and obviously they are young players as well but the fact that they were just outshining Barkley um, and he just no point inspired us every time I thought we were going to have a good attack Barkley would get the ball and then it'd slow it down so much and I've never seen someone have such lack of intelligence before. Um, and it's, it's, it's just so it's, it's so frustrating to watch, honestly. I, I, as you said, I, I'd pay someone to get, I'd pay someone to take him, 
honestly, it get, it's getting to that point. I mean, there, there's it's like he, he's honestly worse than like he is Sal levels. And I mean Sal before the last couple of games because he's done average. He's done okay in the last couple of games, so we'll give him that. Um, but oh, he's honestly I I I I don't I just don't I don't get how people players like this are still at Chelsea Football Club. You cannot fight for a title. You cannot fight for a Champions League when you've got players like Ross Barkley even in the squad, let alone the team. Um, so I think that's that's a, someone that needs to go in January, and I want to see gone very quickly. Um, the problem is. You've got to find people to take these players, and when they're crap and on high wages, it's not so easy. Um, I, I would put Melanxar. I know he, he didn't do too bad last night, but I would put Melanxar in that. I think I understood it was a very good business opportunity getting him on a free, and now we are going to make some money out of him, which is good. But if Milan are interested, obviously they've got their centre back issues with. Um, I can't remember his name, Kjer or whatever it is. Uh, he's out for the season, so. If he, if he's out for the season, they need a defender. Take my land, so we'll give you. If you give us fifteen, twenty, that's fine. We'll take him. Uh, we'll let him go as well. Um, but I mean, we won't talk about the negatives because it is a two-nil win after all. And one player I want to talk about, someone we always talk about, but we can't stop talking about him because he's great. The Kante, the introduction of Kante um, in the last game played pretty well. Uh, and played 90 minutes. We I wasn't expecting him to come on, even come on today. Um, but as soon as he come on, we seemed to change the game, and we ended up scoring the goals. Um, Jesters, how, how good is Kante? And should, should we ever get rid of him um, anytime soon? Yeah, that, that, I think those are two separate questions. Um, Kante, when Kante is playing, it, you know, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound funny, but. When Conte is Conte, he's the best midfielder in the world. Okay. The problem now is how many how many games a year do you get Conte being Conte? Um, that's that's the whole thing that I I have is um, he's been very he's he's picked up a lot of injuries lately. I think he's still de- dealing with a bit of a knee injury, from what I understand. Um, and at some point, you have to think, well, yes, he's the best midfielder we have when he's on. But if he's only on five to ten games a season, is it worth the roster spot? Now, those are two questions. Those are two debatable things. Um, you don't get rid of Conte because of his play. You get rid of Conte because of his availability, right? Um, so I think it's uh, I think it's a decision call. Of course, if Conte was Conte all the time, that's we're not having this conversation. But uh, he he's not always that of le- as of late, and that's because of injuries. So that's that's my thoughts on him. He's a wonderful wonderful player and better person than player uh and, and that's kind of hard to understand because he's absolutely fantastic on the pitch but he never puts a foot wrong you never hear anything bad about him always has a smile on his face um and he's just type of person that you you want to be around right and i feel bad that he's been so misused uh run out when he shouldn't have been run out 
and um, it's, I think it's going to shorten his career a, a few years just because he's a guy that is uh, maximum effort and his his legs mean a whole lot. And when those start going, um, unfortunately, he's he's not. Um, it's not like he can he can move into a different position, right? He can't fall in and be a, a center back. Too, you know, he's too small. He can't fall in. He can't move up and be a striker. It's not his position. So I'm just worried that at some point he's just going to fall off a cliff. And as far as performances go, I hope not because he can win you win you the biggest game of the year like he did uh, in the Champions League. But he needs to be fit just like all our players and. Um, yeah, I, I think I've waffled enough about this. He, he's an amazing player. We just need him to be fit more. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's 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 hard because he is he is such a good footballer, and I I've always looked at it. I think for me, as good as Kante is, I think we need to have him for the big games. Um, and for me, I would. I think in terms of is he worth us placing the squad roster? I think if he keeps his performances like he is, then it's whether it's playing once a week, twice a week, three times a week. I, I think yes. I think there's been times, even this season with Tuchel, I've looked at and gone, well, do we really need Kante in this game? Um, can we not, can we not play a Kovacic or someone? Hopefully, we can bring in. I think that's the issue. I think if we can bring someone in like a Shuameni or if people want to say a Declan Rice, um, then and you have a someone that can play with Kante, play the majority of the smaller games, other games, and then when against the bigger teams, when Kante is needed, you bring him in sporadically to have these big performances against the big teams. I, I think that's that's a good way of managing him. Obviously, we know I do expect him at some point to fall off um, a little bit, but I think we've just got to manage that because I think there's no point at his age selling him because we're not going to get a lot of money uh, even with his ability because of his injury worries um, and I, I just think it's a way we can use him as a squad member I think it's good for the squad harmony in the in the, in the the team because as you said his smile is infectious and it, it, it's you need someone like that in the dressing room so I think Kante for me I'd keep him until he's as you said until his legs fall off literally um, I, I would love to keep him in the squad, but I think the problem is we need to get someone to do his job because obviously, as we've seen when he's been injured, we always drop down in performances, whether uh, Kovacic is in or not. I think Kovacic can do parts of Kante. I think there's no way of replacing Kante, so you've got to get the you've got to get two midfielders with different parts of Kante, which I think Shuamani can bring enough in with Kovacic and Jorginho's abilities to almost supplement Kante a little bit. Obviously, you're not going to get the same out, but you've got to get that from other positions. But, yeah, I, I, I just... Kante's such an important player. And yesterday, comes on after he's not supposed to be fit. He's not ready to play and changes the game, um, which brings us on to the first goal. Obviously, he helped create that uh, for Reese James. Um, and then, obviously, it was an own goal in the end. Um, was it a bit fortunate um, in the game? We weren't really looking as much like scoring in the second half a little bit 
and then we got that goal once uh, Kante come on. Is that was that a bit lucky for us? But would you argue we've not had a lot of luck in the last few games? So maybe luck's finally turned it for us. I think you make your own luck, right? So James comes down and and and, and fires a, a ball across the face of the goal. Anytime you do that, there's always a chance it gets redirected. It gets redirected in by one of our players, or it comes off one of theirs and goes in, because it's very difficult to, as a defender, to let the ball go past you in that circumstance. And if you're not, if you're moving back towards your own goal, uh, nine times out of ten, when if the ball comes off of you, whether you mean it or not, it's going to go in your goal. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, you have to be a contortionist to be able to go be coming back towards your goal and get the ball and a ball like that fizzed in. Um, it's very difficult to do other, anything other than what uh, Janssen did, which was own goal. Um, yeah, I again, he did. James did the right thing. Good things come when you do what you're supposed to do and his, his job is to fire in crosses and he fired a beautiful actually a beautiful cross actually it was um it, you know a goal is a goal it doesn't matter how it goes in you know it, they 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 count the same on the score sheet so you know credit to james to do for doing what he what he was supposed to do in that instance and good things happen when you do those things yeah, I mean, it was as you said, it was it was such a good cross that it, des- it deserved the goal anyway. But yeah, I think it was one of them situations. If Janssen doesn't do it, one of our players puts that in the back of the net, so he had to kind of do it. And unfortunately, it's uh, not worked out for him. But as, as I said, I think we've had some unlucky games, um, some unlucky moments, not unlucky games, um, in the last few weeks, some stupid decisions from... Uh, in terms of COVID and stuff, but um, we kind of, as I said, made our own luck. Uh, it's kind of worked out for us. And then the second goal, well, it was a penalty, but it was a great run by Pulisic into the box um, as that kind of false nine, which I'm sure you can agree with me, Jester, it probably isn't the position we want to see Pulisic in at the moment. Um, but we have, to, unfortunately, we have to see it because there's no other striker available at the moment. Um, but did you think that was a good run from Pulisic? And obviously, Jorginho calls you like, puts it in the back of the net. Yeah, well, the, the pass was deflected. Um, it wasn't a very good entry pass by Mount, actually. It was deflected. And really, the only player that gets to that ball on our team is Christian Pulisic. I, you might not like it. People might not like him. People might think he, think he's not good enough. But he's the only player with the quickness and speed to get to that ball and cause the penalty. Um, so he made something out of nothing. Uh, I know some people were trying to give Mount credit for that, but yeah, this is not pooled. You don't bank shots. <laughs> you know, you don't play it off a rail. On you know, he didn't do that on purpose. It's you know, Christian made something out of nothing which is what he does. Um, of course, he's not a nine. And I know everybody's saying, well, he's playing false nine. No, he's been, he's been playing as a center forward or, uh, or a nine. 
a center forward. He's been double marked by two center backs in the last few games and had a CDM um, that's now allowed him to drop because there's no space to drop into. So, no, he's he shouldn't be played there. He should be played on the left, on, on off the left, which is his best position. He's most productive off the left. Um, unlike some other players who have gotten runs on the left side, he can actually shoot. Um, and he's, you know, he's a problem coming off that side. But you have to go, you have to play where the coach to- tells you to play, right? And if he wants to get on the field, he had to get on the field as a striker. So he's doing the best he can. Um, it just, people need to recognize that he's not meant, you know, his, his body type is not meant to go up against two center backs and a defensive midfielder. That's not what he's going to, you're taking everything he does well and saying, well, we don't want you to do all the stuff you do well. We want to do this want you to do the things that you're least accomplished at, which is hold up play as a striker. I don't know. To me, a 5'9", 155-pound winger is not going to be very good at playing a hold-up striker. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's really uh, unfortunate. Um, you know, I had it out with somebody last week, and and people all the time, and fine, sell him. And keep Callum. Because when you do that, when you take somebody who can change the game and keep somebody who can't change the game, Callum's not going to come off the bench, change the flow of the game, and get you a goal. This is just not what he does. He can't shoot. And that's per monster, by the way, who says he cannot shoot the ball. Um, and who downs tools unless he's playing in his favorite position, a la Zenit. Um, so, you know, the club's going to make the decision that the club makes. And we're going to have to deal with that. Hopefully, whoever's brought in uh, can shoot. And, you know, if it's a Chiesa, if it's a Diaz, if it's uh, an Anthony from Ajax, if it's Rafinha, you know, maybe we'll get more out of them. But, uh, yeah, I I think it's unfortunate that uh, he doesn't, he's not allowed to have the run of games on the left-hand side. But, uh, you know, can't get everything you want. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. What I like is that he's he's come in and he's done that role. I think I, I agree. I don't think it suits him. I, he it's he suits running off. I I think he can do either side personally. I think he's he better on the left, but I think he can do both sides. Um, but it's that idea of he, he's supposed to drive from deep, and he can't do that in the false nine. He's linking up with people. That's not that's not his game. If you can play him there, that's fine. Against certain teams like Leicester, who don't sit back as much and there's more space, fine. Pulisic can do that to an extent. You're still not getting the best out of him, but he can do it to an extent. But against teams that are going to sit back, you can't, there is no space for him to do anything. He's not physical enough. Like you look at Havertz, Havertz is a lot more taller and physical, so he can do that role. And that's why 
he does that role well to a certain extent. But Pulisic isn't that type of player. But what I like is he's got with that role. As far as we know, obviously, we don't know the ins and outs of the training, so we don't know what's going on, what he's what he said. But there's no, he seems to get on with the job. He doesn't seem to moan, cry, winch about it. Um, unlike as much as I do like Callum, uh, he had did that a little bit last season uh, at wing back, which was the one part that annoyed me about it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see him uh, have some sort of run in the squad. I mean, I I, I keep saying on um, Sadiq's stream, and I'll hammer it down again here, I, I kind of want to see after this Christmas period where we've got maybe a little, well, after January's going to be a bit busy now, but when we've got more of an easier spread of games, um, I'd like to see a more consistent front three. Um, and I, I've I've said my fr- the front three I want to see is Pulisic, Callum, and Lukaku. I think that's that's the two, they're the two players that I think can get the best out of um, Lukaku. Uh, I don't really I don't I'm I, I as much, as well as Mount's done in terms of scoring goals in moments. I don't think he's done well enough generally this season the forward role. And I would like to see him a bit further back at times, especially when we're playing smaller teams that we don't exactly need two more defensive number sixes or. Um, we can use maybe a three-five-two and drop him back a little bit further into the midfield. And I mean, Ziyech, again, he's done good in spells, but I, I just think that's the best, the best two to get out the best out of our hundred million striker, which I think is what we should do because that is that is when you when you buy a player like that, that that's what you're supposed to be doing, not uh, working him into shoehorning him into a system. Um, but there you go. I, I mean, hopefully we'll see Christmas. Christian um, in the next few games, which I think we will. Obviously, we, we know we, we've got to manage him to an extent with injuries, and that's fine. That means other people can get a little bit of game time as well uh, in some of the lesser games. But I, I think it's ready to see Pulisic. Um, I do agree with you. I think the only the thing is you the only other person you could see with the pace to get to that would be Werner. But then I'd argue his intelligence is not good enough to spot that in the first place. So, yeah, I do agree. It's uh, sorry, Pulisic is the only person that would make that run and succeed as he did and then obviously with Jorginho cool as you like um I think he's improved his pe- technique he, he, where he used to hop skip and jump and it used to be like kind of a tap I think he's put a bit more power into his uh shots into his penalties now and it's making it much harder for any goalkeeper to save it now which is good because obviously there has been some misses with Jorginho in the past and you need a consistent penalty taker um week in week out if we're getting penalties a lot but um, yeah, that is kind of it for the game. There wasn't too much. Um, we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about Kepper. Obviously, he did have a couple of good saves in the first half. Um, a lot of people um, bigging him up last night. Um, some people saying arguably was one of the contenders for man the match. What did you think of Kepper's performance? Yeah, I thought he was very, very good. You can tell that uh, uh, Tuku coming in has given him a lot of confidence, right? He doesn't look like he's nervous out there, which I thought he was kind of shell-shocked under Frank. Um, I actually was on a live stream earlier today where people were saying, Mindy needs to watch out, Kep is back. And I was like, you guys have to lay off the crack. <laughs> right? Um Look, Keppa is very, very good at reaction saves, which is why he's so good at penalties. 
because he's small, he's compact. He he has more. He doesn't have to gather to spring off, and he's he's always been very good at that. But if you start getting shots from distance, that's where his height and his arm length comes into play. Um, he's very he's always been good at distributing. That's the reason we brought him in in the first place was because he could play with the ball at his feet. For sorry. He was sweeper keeper. Remember all that when we run him in? Oh, we have a sweeper keeper now. Well, you know, if you're sweeping up with crap, <laughs> you know, then you want to do that job. But, you know, he 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 looks very good. And it's good that we have two goalkeepers that are capable of coming in and keeping a clean sheet. And 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 actually being a part of keeping that clean sheet is in making saves. I will say the first save he made on the header, the guy was offside. Even if he scores it, they're going to check it on VAR. It's going to get chopped off. Um, but he still saved it, so we didn't even go that direction. So he's had he had a, a, a few very good saves. He distributed the ball very, very well. He was confident, which when your keeper's confident, your center backs are now confident because they don't have to worry about the nervous Nancy behind him. So you look, I give credit credit for what he's done this year. Um, and I wish, wish him luck in Lazio next year. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Kep has played well. I think I'm obviously everyone was very nervous at the start of the year. Um, with the whole Mendy going to AFCON and Kepa taking his place, especially against the teams that we're facing. But I'm a bit more confident. I mean, I do expect uh, if a long shot comes and it goes in, um, I, I do ex- expect that maybe to happen once. But at the same time, I, I don't, I'm not going to shout and scream about it that much because what can he do? The, the guy can't grow two inches. Um, and it's just, it's just one of them things um, that is always going to be a disadvantage of his game. Same as penalties if we get a penalty with Mendy I'm just expecting it to be 1-0 because I, I don't expect Mendy to save it because it's just not part of his game he's too big doesn't he kind of fall down he falls down in slow motion um but as part of being a big goalkeeper sometimes sometimes you haven't got the reaction to save a penalty penalties are not supposed to be safe so I, th- I, th- I think Kepa's doing a decent enough job and if he does want to stay as a second choice goalkeeper as much as he's a very expensive second-choice goalkeeper, I think, with the other positions we've got to get, I don't mind it. As long as he's happy, I'm happy, uh, especially the way he's playing at the moment, um, especially in the Cups. Um, but, yeah, I mean, credit to him last night, and hopefully he can carry that on into January um, because we need it. Um, going kind of in a refresher of what the last couple of weeks, obviously we've had a little break um, due to scheduling issues and other stuff, uh, COVID crisis and all that. But going into that, Chelsea have had their own COVID crisis. Um, just as what have you made about the last couple of weeks? Um, obviously, there's been other games that's been cancelled. The most recent one, Leeds-Liverpool, which is a bit of a bummer because obviously Liverpool are now going to have a break before they come and face us. It's typical. Um, and obviously, Anthony Taylor is now referee of that match, which is crazy after what happened last time. But there you go. Um, do you think it's wrong or right to call, um, call off matches in general? And do you think it's harsh that we didn't have a game called off, especially the Wolves one? Yeah, yeah. I actually was watching Sky earlier today, Sky, Sky Sports, and um, 
they read the rule. And so by the rules, our game should, with Wolves should have not been called off. That was a correct decision by the rules. But by just canceling singular games and not all the games, you're giving people unfair advantages because they they do get the rest. They do get to get injured players back. They, you know, so what I, what I'm saying is fine. If you're going to postpone these games, then condense the crap out of their schedule. Make them play every two days to make up those games because you shouldn't get any break because you can't fill the team. How is that? How is that anybody's fault but your own? For whatever reason. So, um, you know, but it, we know, we all know about the agenda against Chelsea. It, it doesn't matter if we had to play all academy players. The, the league will make us play. So let's just understand that and know that we're going to have to play every game as it is scheduled. Uh, the only way one of our games would be canceled if our opponent asked for it to be canceled. Then they would probably do it. But um, they would probably make it to where there was 24-hour turnaround somewhere. And with our uh, congestion of fixtures, you know, that's very possible. But, uh, I, yeah, I, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, let's take a week off for everybody to... Or 10 days, because it's 10 days, right? It doesn't matter if you're showing symptoms or not. Uh, the PCR test comes back positive, it's 10 days. So give everybody 10 days off. But that's not going to happen. That's, you know, that's a money issue. And uh, right now, during this particular time of the year, where everybody, you know, people are off, children are home from school, you have, this is where... The, you know, advertising or uh, dollars or as peak. So, uh, you know, it's all about money in the end. So, I, I think you, if you want to, if you want to cancel some games, you need to cancel them all, just so it's fair for everybody. If you're not going to do that, then don't cancel any of them. Tell people you have to forfeit the game. If you can't fill the team, you got to forfeit. When I was growing up playing. Uh, whether it was uh, a school sport or outside school, if you couldn't fill the team, you had to forfeit the game. It's just the way it is. Exactly. I mean, look at Tottenham in the uh, Conference League. Couldn't fill their game, they had to forfeit it. Um, I do agree with you. I think it's, for me, I've always had the idea. I don't mind them cancelling games, but it's all or none, um, in my opinion. because you and, And it's the fact that other teams have had less COVID cases than us but have had games cancelled, which makes no sense to me. And then it, the Leeds one made me laugh because when they put the statement out, they put COVID, injuries and illness. So I was like, hold on, this is about injuries. But have you, you've seen Chelsea's injury list and you didn't consider that either. It just, it, it confuses me. I, I get that they can't, the problem is they can't just cancel um, people saying, oh, we should cancel the Premier suspend the Premier League season but you can't because you've got the World Cup next December so the season's already messed up and congested from this season to next season because of that 
um, and the Premier League will have to make it up. So they haven't got the time. And I understand in Chelsea's particular case, because we have the Club World Cup and because we would have already played that by now, had it been of Japan not cancelling it because of their COVID issues anyway, we would have had space in February, but we now have no physical space, especially now we're in the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. So I understand in a way that there is no where to put our fixture, but that's not Chelsea's problem. That's not Chelsea's fault because we've just been putting that's that's out of our hands. Um, so I, I find it frustrating, um, especially since other teams around us, and now it's becoming other big teams around us are getting pressed. Um, so it it it's a bit it's a bit stupid. I mean, we'll see how it goes, but and hopefully that they'll sort this out. Um, I don't think this Omicron virus uh, crisis will hopefully not last too long and then hopefully we can get back to some relative normal until the next variant comes along in the next few months but there you go we'll, we'll see how it goes and obviously with the news that's come out today that Lukaku, Hudson-Doy and Chilwell have all tested negative hopefully we're now starting to come out of that phase of Covid and hopefully no one else gets it in the camp um, because obviously men's team struggled with it, the youth team struggled with it and the women's team struggled with it so Chelsea had just been riddled with the virus uh, in all all, all directions. So let's hope it uh, works out for both our teams. But obviously the last few weeks hasn't just been COVID problems for us. There's been problems on the pitch, problems of injuries. And we've had some poor results. West Ham, Wolves, Everton, who we were playing, Everton's kids basically, and we still didn't get the result. Um, Just as obviously there's a lot there's, there's, there's a lot of confusion of what's going wrong. But in your opinion, what, what do you think has gone wrong with Chelsea in the last few weeks? And is it down to manager? Is it down to system? Is it down to certain players? Or do you think we're just unlucky with all this injury and COVID crisis? Yeah, I think that, um, we again, is it luck? Is it, you know, just the way the ball bounces sometimes? I. When you start losing key players, the first key player we lost was Ben Chilwell, okay? He is so far, so much better than Marcus Alonso that it's actually painful to watch Marcus Alonso play after you've watched Chilwell play that position. It's, it actually physically puts you in pain to watch that man play. So there's the first part. The second part is now you've lost Kovacic and Kante. So you're not only losing some of the cover that you could give Marcus Alonso with two very good central midfielders, you, you, you're bringing in a, a Sal Miguez, a Ruben Loftus-Cheek, or you're asking Jorginho to then cover that area. Um, and of course, we know that Jorginho is not a defensive specialty specialist. He's not, that's not his thing. Um, Ruben is not known for his defense. He's more of a box-to-box. Uh, Saul has not been at the races, except for the last couple games. He's been decent. So it's just it, it's compounded by the fact that you have an injury and then you, you lose two more players. And it's not like we're losing um, McTominay and Fred. You know, we're talking about the best, one of the best central midfielders to ever play the game in N'Golo, in N'Golo Conte. Whatever, if you want to put him a CDM central midfielder, 
uh, I'd just say overall as a central midfielder. And Mateo Kovacic, who can be magic and has played very well this year. Uh, and then the replacements just aren't our snuff because we didn't go in and bring in an Aurelian Chuamini, which we should have this summer. Uh, we brought Slavon Aguez in, and, and he's just now in the last two games starting to get the speed to where he he can play Premier League football. Um, so you, 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 compo- you compound that with, you know, form is going to go up and down. Um, then we've lost, you know, almost all of our attack <laughs> to where you're playing Christian Pulisic as a number nine. And it's just all come at one time. With all this said, we've only lost one match during that stretch. Yes, the rest have been draws and we should have won them. But it's not like we drop all three points in all of those matches. So if this is, if that's part, if that little section of games is now over with, and we are starting to get the the injured player injured players back, you know, Conte Kovacic. It uh, looks like that Chilwa will be back. I heard January twenty third, possibly. Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the date that they've plucked out. So hopefully that I, I don't know whether that's coming back in terms of matches or whether that's coming back as in returning to full training and then it's going to be another couple of weeks after that. But yeah, let's hope it is that because we, we definitely need him. Um, yeah, so, so now well, we have our, our attackers coming back too. Of course, you had Callum and you had uh, Big Rome in training today. Good. Uh, we're still without Werner or Havertz and I don't know why on Havertz or Ziyech. I think it was because there were a couple. I think their tests were positive a couple of days. I think Werner's was apparently the day after. So hopefully the next couple of days we might get Werner back, but I assume that will be too close to the next match um, to come back straight away into the starting lineup. And I think Havertz again was that was the weekend. So I suppose it'll be early next week we'll see him back um, along with whoever else it is that is cut Earl off the cheek, obviously. So, so Havertz is not an injury. It, it's the vid. Yeah, it's the vid. He had he had a test that they thought was positive, and then it came back negative, and then two days later it came back positive again. So yeah. it's been the Omicron virus has been very funny with tests as I've known. I've gone negative test in the morning to uh, getting symptoms in the evening, tested and then positive. So it's. These tests at the moment are very quickly changing from negative to positive at the moment. So there's been a few problems with that, as we've seen with Jorginho, tested positive and then turned out it was negative all along and it was just dodgy test. But there you go. These things happen. So hopefully we'll get some of our players back. Did, but do you think it is more just a combination of different injuries or do you think there is systemically something still wrong with the side in general? Well, the only thing I can I can, I can say about the side in general is the uh, lack of attacking threat from our number nine position. But that's that's more down to we don't play to our number nine. You know, we have too many players that like to play hero ball. When you have a Romelu Lukaku on your team, 
that guy needs to have the most touches out of your attacking player. The ball needs to be at his feet every time you're in the attacking third because he's not only a goal scorer, he can assist as well. People look at the goals he scored for Inter last year and they're screwed that to run. You have to understand, I think he was, if not assist leader, um, Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Freaking Skype. I'm about to... Me and Microsoft... It just changed my settings. It just... Oh, God. It just flicked up that it changed my settings, but I guess it didn't. Um, as I was saying, Rome, I think it was either the assist leader or second in assist on the team as well. So you have to find players that like that can play with a striker. Right. I've only really seen one of our players in a Chelsea shirt play with a striker and go on a run. I'm not going to say his name because they're going to say they're going to say, oh, it's because you're American. <laughs> but the run that Olivier Giroud and Christian Pulisic put together in Project Restart that, by the way, got us to the Champions League just so people understand that, was probably the best combination play between a winger and a striker that I've seen since uh, Hazard and Diego Costa. And 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 really, when even when Tammy was here, uh, Pulisic played a lot of balls into him as well. So you have, you know, whether he's not your guy, whether you don't like him or not, He's the type of player you want on the pitch with a uh, pronounced striker that you want to get the ball to because he will play to the feet of the striker and then play off by making runs. Even if the striker doesn't take the, the opportunity to pass the ball, that opens up space from where he made the run for the striker then to move into and take a shot. So it's not just about the, the interchange play. It's about the space created. And uh, for me, Christian is is outstanding at that. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just an American. Yeah, I mean, I, I you, me and you are kind of on the same lines that I feel our wing, it's not, it's not the number nine because, of, as we've seen, Werner struggled at number nine. Havert struggled at number nine. Morata struggled at number nine. Tammy struggled at number nine. Giroud has struggled at times at number nine. Um, Jude Soon's up bell last night was very quiet at number nine. All of their players can't be crap and can't be finished. Lukaku especially, he's proven he scored even in systems where he's not suited the ball. He scored goals and goals. So he's just, he, he at least scores goals, even if it's against the small teams, as people would argue. But the fact that Chelsea, uh, like every other striker, since Diego Costa, a struggle to get goals. My only point is it's maybe you've got to look and go, well, maybe it's not the striker and it's the players around him, the wingers. I do think, and I, I, kind of, I agree with you, Pulisic is the only one that's had a consistent run um, of linking up well with a striker. I do think Callum can do it, hopefully. Um, I do think Mount does it sometimes. 
Um, but the others, I don't really see. I don't really see Havertz unless it's a very much of a two-striker setup rather than a winger setup. But that doesn't really suit the rest of our players. Um, Werner is a similar thing, but again, doesn't really suit the rest of our players. So it, it, I think it's, I, I think it's to the point that, you, as I said before, you've got to work around your striker. You don't pay a hundred million pounds for a player and not work around him. So I think, for me, it's time to look in the summer and go, well, who doesn't work for Lukaku, and who do we need to ship on, and who do we need to bring in that gets the best out of Lukaku. I do think we need a winger that can actually finish as well because I'm fed up of seeing wingers constantly, time after time, not put the ball in the back of the net when they've got the ball because in this system, the striker doesn't link up with the winger and the winger is often the guy that sometimes is doing the finishing. So if they're doing the finishing, you've got to put the ball in the back of the net. You can't be putting the ball wide, etc. And I think it was it was funny. Uh, one thing I saw... Um, Mount obviously scored his goal um, against Everton, but missed two huge chances, which could have won us the game. Yet he gets man the match on the Chelsea website. Christian Pulisic against Wolves uh, takes a shot. And I thought, I personally looked at it and thought that's a good save from the goalkeeper. Not much Pulisic could have done much more to put the ball in the back of the net. Yet Pulisic is the one that gets scapegoated for not taking the only chance of the game. Which, again, just I was like, okay, it, it's it's this same agenda that's going again. Mount doesn't get criticised for things Mount should get criticised for, and Pulisic gets criticised for things that not other players get criticised for. But there you go, there you go. It's one of those things. Um, we'll just have to see what we do in the summer, which um, is going to be, I think, another very busy summer for Chelsea because there's going to be a lot of players going out, a lot of players coming in, as we'll get into a little bit. But first, obviously, we'll talk about who we've got in the next stage. And it is, as in Chelsea style, another tasty one. It is Tottenham. Um, I don't know yet whether they're going to do one legs or two legs because of the C virus. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. If, if it is a two legs still, it means we're going to play Tottenham three times in three weeks. Uh, Jesters, are you, are you ready for, to play Tottenham three times in three weeks? Bring them on. I mean, they're not called bottle ham for nothing. Look, um, as good a coach as Antonio Conte is, they have a whole lot of players that are not Premier League standard, right? Um, They're just, you know, Conte will make them better than they were. Because a good coach makes bad players better. Um, but, you know, if I'm thinking, and I actually think that Tottenham will come in fourth this year. I don't think United will come in fourth. I think they'll come in fifth. Um, just because in key positions, they have garbage. And I think in, in, in for Conte, he plays defense first and then offense. And that's something that uh, Ragnick does not do. He wants the whole enchilada. So three in three weeks, let's, let's, let's roll with this. That means I get to see expressions cry three times. You know, what's better than that? Oh, Going that, as rat. That, that is true. That is true. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing. And 
Um, it'll be a matchup of the, I guess they play a 3-4, was it a 3-5-2, or is it a 3-4-3, or is it a 5-2-3? I don't know what they play or how Conte runs his system um, or how they actually say he runs it, but, you know, we have the better players in those positions. Um, I would even take at this, you know, as bad as Romelu Lukaku has been this year, Kane's been worse. So who do you say on their team is walks into our starting 11? Um, you could say Regulon, but he's really maybe. not that good. I, I mean, if you're going against Alonso, maybe, but that's not saying much. Uh, I think Chilwell is levels above him. Right. Well, we were saying Alonso because Chilwell's not going to be available unless he's available the very last time he's playing on the 23rd. Uh, I just, for me, if it, if we have everybody fit, there's no Tottenham player that gets into our starting 11. Mm. Um, none at all. And so that means we should, we should, we should, uh, Take them to the woodshed three times. But it is, on the flip side, it is hard to beat somebody three out of three because... Ah, Tuchel's done it before. Yeah, it's, it, but it's very difficult in a, in a short period of time to do that because they get to learn your tactics and how you play and they can adjust the way they play to, to, um, to counteract those things. So it's difficult. But... It's not impossible, and I expect this Chelsea side to, to have a better January than December. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can't have a much of a worst this, uh, January, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it would be interesting, um, Conte, coming back to the bridge for the first time. I am I am kind of expecting uh, Battle of the Bridge Part 2. Um, I don't think Conte is going to pull his punches. Uh, I think he's going to roll these Tottenham players up. For the derby um so we'll see what happens i don't think tuchel's not exactly one that he can be calm but when he's when he's annoyed he'll get very annoyed so i can i, I imagine there's going to be a couple of scraps at least once uh and all i'm going to say in terms of the fan bit the met police have got a lot to do in their hands one three games of chelsea Tottenham in one month jesus they're gonna, they're gonna there's gonna be a lot of trouble but there you go i mean it'll be exciting to watch and i think my blood pressure is going to be going up and down, up and down all the time. But apart from that, it'll be good. I mean, we've got Liverpool, City and Tottenham three times. What more could you want? What more could you want? It's a great run of football. Um, kind of coming off the whole Chelsea, just general uh, match discussion. And we'll, we'll kind of go as it's coming towards the transfer season. Just discussing some of the rumours because it is starting to hot up as it does towards the end of December. Uh, we'll kind of go through the names that we've been linked with, whether it is January, January moves or some of them, I think, are more summer moves. Um, main man to start off with is Jules Kunde. Um, there's been rumours, especially today, hotting up, saying that Chelsea are looking to go back in for him. They've obviously, from the summer, have already agreed his wages and his wage package, uh, all the personal terms. Um, and I'm just waiting to see what happens. Obviously, the Kunde was unhappy; he didn't get the move in the summer. So, 
Jesters, do you think this could be a move we could do in January again, or do you think we'll wait for this next summer? Yeah, I don't see him coming in in January. I really don't. Um, I think that the contract could be agreed to. Everything could be signed, sealed, and delivered in January for him to come in in, in, in what, July when they, to June or July that the, the window opens? July? July, July the 1st. So July, you know, July 1st, he'll be a, a Chelsea player. Um, and that's good because you can get these deals done so you can work on other deals during the summer period, right? Um, so that's 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 what I think about Kunde. I think he's going to be an excellent addition to this team, um, not only at center back, but if we do go to a back four, you can see him getting a run of games at right back as well to spell James, uh, because we don't have another right back in this team if we do go back to a back four. Uh, sorry, Aspie does not have the legs to go up and down at, at right back anymore. It just He just doesn't have it. He can barely do it at, at, at right center back and wing back now. So um, obviously I, I have, uh, when I started out, when I, we were first linked, I was like the height issue. But I, the more I watch, watch him play, his height is not an issue. Um, he's a very good one-on-one defender. And he has a nasty streak, which I like in my defenders. Yeah. I want somebody who, if somebody's mouthing off, well, maybe take an extra shoulder and put him in the boards. Of course, I'm referring to the red card he picked up by throwing the ball at the uh, Alba, which everybody in... Chelsea, Chelsea Nation would love to do, from what I understand. Yes, so, definitely. <laughs> you know, even though he got sent off and hurt his team, uh, you know, it was cheered by Chelsea fans because of who it was against and who it was. So, uh, yeah, to me, he he's a next-level next baller uh, and can play multiple positions for us if need be. So... Yeah, I'm all on all aboard on the Kunde hype train. Yeah, uh, I mean, do you think this could be a deal that, similar to how the Christian Pulisic deal came, we kind of paid a little bit less for him in January and then almost kind of loaned him back um, for the rest of the season? Do you think we could you could see that is something that we could do with Kunde to kind of get over this kind of price difference that we had in the summer or do you think it's going to be a thing that we just don't make any official deals in January and do this as a deal to view in the summer well I you know again you could there's a few ways you can do this you could actually sign him straight out and say no we want him in January which for me if we're saying that Aspie probably shouldn't play wing back anymore um he, you could you could bring him in, and he could rotate with James at wing back. Don't think that's necessarily the best thing to do. The best thing to do is to agree all terms, and and have him signed for the summer. So, July first rolls around. Jules, Jules Kounde is our player. I don't think that he would really like to be signed and loaned back to Sevilla for the rest of the year. I. It, yeah, it could happen, and it does take 
a little bit of money off, but I think it was, he's the one that will probably, I would love to see a done deal for July 1st for Jules Kunde. Let him continue to get the time at center back. Right now he's playing right back. Um, but, you know, right now we don't have a need for another center back at this point. I mean, yes, really not, deep. Not, not till the summer that we need a centre-back unfortunately. Right. Yeah, so for me, it's uh, something I would love for it to be a done deal for July 1st in January, if that makes any sense. Yes, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, there are obviously other options that we've been linked with. Obviously, there are multiple contract situations, so I assume that Chelsea are being linked with multiple defenders. Um, the main two that are being linked with is Delict. And Kimbembe. Um, what do you think of them options? Would you go for any of them options? Because for me, I, I do not like Delict at all. I do not want that sign in. Kimbembe, I, I haven't watched him enough, but I don't think PSG are that defensively solid. So I, I'm not too sure, apart from that Tuchel's worked with Kimbembe at all, apart, apart before. I'm not too sure. But what do you think? Well, the Kimbembe links are because he's a left footer, right? So you could put him, uh, he would be a the left-sided center back in a three or the left well or the center back that plays on the left in, in a four um again it's great to have a left foot on that side i've watched kimpembe he's a physical freak and he's actually played left back for uh for the french national team i want to say at the point or maybe maybe it was psg i saw him play um left back so he's definitely a physical specimen, a physical freak, but I don't know. I've also seen France lately and PSG get torn apart <laughs> So with him in the team. So six one way, half a dozen another, I think for his price tag, it would be a no-go for me. As in from Matthias Delict, he's going to cost an arm and a leg. I mean, I know that Juventus is in serious serious uh financial criminal penalties possibly um and delict is one of the persons involved in that whole what three or four two or three year period that they're looking at as far as uh cooking the books so they might need to get rid of him but he you know he's could command a 250,000 pound salary or at least a 200,000 pound salary yeah. And, um, and for me, if, if you're talking about that, I don't think he's done enough compared to Rudiger, who would probably right. like even less than that. Um, but there you go. And that's that's why I, I don't like the whole signing straight yeah. away. I'm just like, no. And I, I just think, why buy a player that's failed already in, in another team? Yeah, and look, he's a Rayola client. You know what a pain in the butt those are. And I... <laughs> I'd rather see him go to Barcelona, to tell you the truth, just because I don't want to deal with Raiola and the uh, the monies. I think he's going to be a good player. I think with center backs, it takes them more time to get because it's it's about nuances. It's about being in the right position at the right time. It's about the instinct to know, oh, this is where the ball is going to go, and I'm going to be like Thiago Silva does at 37 years old. Um. It takes a while for a center back to learn that. So I think actually Delict will end up being a very, very good center back. I just 
for what we're doing as far as squad harmony, bringing people in at the same price point. If you're gonna if you're gonna pay that amount of money, and I know he's a younger player, he's got more years in front of him. Um, I would just give the money to Rudiger and 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 be done with it. Um, so for me, Kimpembe to Lick are not a serious thing. I think um, Kunde is, and out of of those three, that's the one I want on the team is Kunde. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, yeah, that's one. I mean, obviously, if there are other players that are going to leave the club as well, obviously we're going to have to get another option in. But I think there are other possibly cheaper options that you can get in um, that are better than the likes of Kimpembe and Delic. I mean, Kimpembe, I'm open to it because Tuchel's worked with him before, so maybe he can get the best out of him. Um, but I've just never been convinced of PSG's defence, especially after Thiago Silva left. So I don't want it to be another player that, is good with a, t- a, a, he's a he's like Zuma. How Zuma used to be good with a Thiago Silva, and then when he, he was not there, he drop off. Well, Thiago Silva isn't going to be there that long, so I don't want him to drop off like that. Um, but there you go. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, obviously there are the contract rumors still rumbling on. Um, I think with Rudiger, it's still that standpoint, um, and I think he's probably going to leave. But the Christensen one has been very up and down every every time we keep hearing new news and the latest news is that he has got rid of his representatives which confused me because i thought his representative was his dad so if he's fired his dad there must be something going on um some people are assuming that means he's gonna sign uh others have said it he's not do you think christensen's gonna sign for the club yeah i think that he will um but again, what do I know? I, he might be saying he might be firing his reps because no, I don't want to sign. I want to go. Um, but the way this is played out, you know, the five-year contract. No, we want a three-year contract. Okay, let's settle on a four-year contract, and then that's kind of dissipated. Of course, he's he's let his rep- representatives go. Leads me to believe that that more than likely he will sign. He will stay. And Christensen's a, a, a fantastic option to have there. You know, he might not be at the world-class level, but again, 25 years old, I believe um, he's not going to have the positional awareness and instincts like a Tiago Silva or a Marquinhos until he gets 28, right? You have to play so many games to understand and and make yourself um play in a in a way where you're always in the right position and you don't have to use your pace like Tiago does again he's the gold standard that every, all of our center backs should should look to but yeah for me AC is definite keep him on the team because for me I'll say it straight out we have right now we have Rudiger AC Chalaba Silva Malang Sar and Cesar Aspilicueta. That's six center backs on our roster. Okay, we know Rudiger is going to go. That's five. If we bring in Kunde, we're still back up to six. For me, I don't see any reason to give Cesar Aspilicueta a new contract. I don't give people, for me, I wouldn't give somebody a contract because he's good in a dressing room. Well, 
if he left, somebody else would step up, surely. We have Tiago Silva. For me, if there's one guy I want to talking to our players in the dressing room, that's the dude. He's he's done everything. He's seen every possible eventuality on the pitch. And he still has something to give on the pitch to this team, where I don't think uh, Aspie does. So you move exactly. Aspie out. You move Malang Sar out. So now you have a more realistic rotation with AC, Tiago, Chalaba, and Kunde. That's four center backs. And if you want to look at uh, a call, uh, Caldwell, bringing a Caldwell back, which I wouldn't because that's going to stunt his growth, um, it makes you think that maybe we will be moving to a back, back uh, four because you have four center backs. I think I. That would leave us with Kunde, Silva, Chalaba, and AC. Um, unless you're considering staying with a back three, four center backs is enough because you have a backup at both positions. Yeah. Um, if you're going to stay with the back three, then maybe you do sign Aspie and keep him on for another year with the realization that, hey, you're barely going to get any game time because I'd rather have AC or Chalaba or Silver Kunde on the pinch than, uh, than Aspie. Just at this point, he's on the downside of his career, and he's looked at the last few games. Not to say that he'll look like that going forward. So for me, that's just the way I look at it. Um, and I, yeah, I think Silva's going to sign a, a one-year contract. And that's great because he makes all the center backs better when he's on the pitch. He's honestly one of our best players at, at the age of 36, 37. So, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, that's what I said. If, if there's one player, as much as I like Aspie and I respect him for what he's done, he's done a lot for the club. Um, if there's one person I want to have that kind of leadership in the dressing room squad role, it's Thiago Silva because he is... He is got so much leadership experience uh it's unbelievable i mean so i i feel bad i, I might maybe it's a good thing as he goes off of in his rumors in barcelona that would be a good move for him um and it would be a lot we give him a nice send-off that that, that that's fine for me I'm, I'm not too bothered with that um i do agree that we could go to a back four um and then it does bring, if we do want to flirt back to a back three in the future, it give, maybe will give time for the likes of Carl Will, and then you've got Mbayamba in the um, academy as well, who will be coming through, um, hopefully, and if he does well, he can fit into either a back three or back four. So we'll have to wait and see for that. Um, I do believe that we will probably transition to a back four and bring in more midfielders, which we'll kind of get into that just in a little bit. We've got couple more players to discuss before we get into that midfield debate as we always do um but we'll start with the wingbacks obviously the Chilwell news is now coming out a bit more positive um so we've had a little bit less rumors in the last 24 hours uh, about wingbacks but there has been wingbacks rumored to come in um in the past couple of weeks um one of them being a fellow American of yours uh Sergino Dest and another one more recently of Luca Digne uh, has been having troubles with Rafa Benitez and looks like he could be moved on in January. Um, say to you while he's out for the season, is Digne or Dest 
uh, an option for you? And if you were to pick one or the other, uh, who would you choose? Well, I would I would pick Denier because he's left footed, <laughs> you know, uh, as good as, you know, Dust has played left wing back and left back, but he's right footed. He's very good to he has two good feet, but he's still a right footer. And his instinct is always to play with his right foot because that's his main foot. So for me, if it's just one of them, it's Luca Dean for me. Uh, love to get Teo Hernandez, but I don't know how feasible that is. Uh, but um, for me, I think we need two wingbacks to be brought in, a right-sided wingback and a left-sided wingback. Uh, because, I again, I don't want to see Aspie playing, and James has to have a rest. So having a desk to come in to play right wing back, for me, is brilliant. Because going forward, he's, he's, like, he's like a winger. He has those, that skill set as a winger. He's not great defensively. So if we are going to go to a back forward, I wouldn't bring him in because he does not play fullback very well because defense is the weakest point of his game. And um, I just don't see the need to bring in somebody who's going to have a liability in that position. If we're going to stay with a back three and play with wing backs, absolutely. He's going to give you the offensive threat when James can't play that James gives you. Maybe not to that level, but better than we have back up right now. Um, yeah, for me, it's Denye because, again, or Dean, I should call him Dean, but because uh, he's he's in the Premier League. There's no adjustment period. He's there. He's seen the competition. He's played against those players. He could come in, and he can play wing back or fullback if we do go into a back four next year. You don't then have to go out and find somebody else. That's just, to me, it's killing two birds with one stone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, guys, this this kind of proves that uh, Jester doesn't have an American bias because he picked Luca Dinge over Dest. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'd like Dest, and I think he can play if you wanted to bring someone in that could play a rotation for both roles instead of bringing in two players. I, I'd understand that. That's where I think there is a positive for Dest um, over a Dinge, for example. But it is the issue of if we are going to a back four. Dest is not someone I'd want to play as a traditional fullback. Um, Dinier, even even though he has done that for Everton as well, it's again one of the ones I think he's better going forward than he is going back. So I feel wingback would be more suited to him. So it, it, it is a question of how much are these players going to cost because, as I've kind of mentioned before in debates on Twitter, they've both got reasons why they'll be relatively cheap on the market um barcelona have got their financial problems and now they've just signed ferro torres so they need to get wage off so dest may be one of them options they get off um and obviously dingo is running into troubles with rafa benitez so he's no doubt going out the door and will be fairly cheap because of that reason so i think there are options we could possibly take advantage of but if chill is fit i don't see us probably going in for any of them options to at least the summer because that's how Chelsea do things. We're not too proactive. Uh, we're more reactive in our stuff. But there you go. Um, we'll finally, before we finish, get into a bit more of the midfield debate once again. I think it's going to be quite uh, 
an agreement between us two because I think we know who we prefer out of the two options. But um, there's been rumours again of Shumeni and Declan Rice uh, for different clubs. Uh, Shumeni's obviously been linked mainly with us again. Um, Declan Rice has been a couple of links to Chelsea, but there's also been a couple of links that he's one of Ragnick's top target targets for United, which I found a bit strange. I don't think he's that pressing midfielder, but there you go. Um, Shumeni was, uh, as I saw on Twitter today, was voted uh, Sofa Scores one of the best. Uh, young defensive midfielders in the world in terms of his defensive statistics of being an absolute beast uh, in tackles, interceptions. Um, do you think um, Shumeni would be a good option for us, or you, would you go? Would you go with Rice? I can tell what your answer will be, but I'll ask you anyway. Hashtag decline Rice. Look, <laughs> I've watched Shumeni play, and yes, it's league on. But the dude is the best player on the pitch. And he's a defensive midfielder. He can play eight. He can even play ten. He's hot, he's big. He's strong. He can pick a pass. He can hit the long ball. I, I don't know what else you would want from that position. And Cesc Fabregas gives him two thumbs up. As in this, this kid's something. So I think Sesk would know a little bit more about the game than than most of us idiots out here on YouTube or on Twitter or right now on a podcast. Uh, so if Sesk says you want this kid on your team, then hey, I want this kid on. Our, and I've watched him, and he's brilliant, and he gives you a, an aerial threat in both boxes where on. On the defensive side, he's good at clearing them. On the offensive side, he can put them in the back of the net. So he brings everything that you'd want from that position. So for me, it's too many. It's not even close. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm, as much as I give a lot of stick and banter to Declan Rice and social media especially for giving a Tottenham player a Tottenham fan a West Ham shirt I don't think that's that's exactly uh completely the best thing to do uh if you want to join Chelsea but there you go um yeah I, I just think sh- respectively Schumann is going to cost a bit less uh, well a lot less depending on West Ham's uh price um and I just think he's more better suited I, don't, I think Declan Rice is more of a box-to-box midfielder whereas I think we do especially if we're going to a back four we need a more defensive midfielder, and I think Shumeni provides that. I think he's all te- but also when I was looking at his stats on Sofa Score, generally about uh, his passing game, and his passing game isn't bad either. Um, obviously, it's not a Cesc Fabregas like, um, but you can't get that all in one mid in mid one midfielder, unfortunately. Otherwise, we'd have the best midfield in the world. But um, yeah, I think he's a he's a good he sprays some good balls around a varied amount of balls. It's not just short passes, long passes as well. So I, th- I think he'll be a good option uh, for us to bring in um, and to grow into the role. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we did get Declan Rice, I, I wouldn't be completely against it. I would think the price is a bit silly, but there you go. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, I do think I've always said from the summer, I think Declan Rice is going to Man United because that's exactly what. United kind of need in terms of defensive midfielder. Whether he's the right option, I don't know, but it's a typical Man United signing, signing an English player that's overpriced. Um, 
possibly overrated depending on who you are um yeah I, I just think we should go for the better options i think as you said rightly if Cesc Fabregas is bigging him up then it's something to listen to because Cesc Fabregas was a great midfielder so he should know as you said perfectly better than all of us about what a good midfielder is um but that brings the end to what has been a wonderful podcast um hopefully the bad woes of the last few weeks is behind us and we can move forward into the Aston Villa game uh, on Boxing Day if it's still on. Uh, so far it's not been cancelled but you never know uh, with these COVID days. Um, but quickly before we go Jesters, what, what what would you give as a prediction for the Aston Villa game? Wow, it's in Villa, it's on Sunday. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion even though Tuchel said he's not going to start, that Romelu Lukaku will start. Because we don't have anybody else to play that position. Yeah. All right. I can't go through another game seeing Christian Pulisic playing that position. You know, if anybody, play Mason Mount there. That's what I've always been thinking. Um, so we've got Kovacic back. We've got Conte. We've got Jorginho. I'm going to go 2 0. I think it's going to be a 2 0 uh, victory against Aston Villa. Uh, and here's the outside predict- prediction uh, Stephen Girard slips in the coach's box. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for that to come out. Uh, brilliant. Uh, I mean, you never know. He's done it, he's done it before, might do it again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go slightly more conservative just because I know how we've been playing. I am going to go 1-0. I think it's going to be a kind of uh, smash and go performance, but I don't mind that as long as we get the result. That's all that matters. Um, but we'll see how we do. Uh, but that does bring the end to the podcast, finally. Uh, and I'd like to thank you, Jesters, for coming on once again. Oh, anytime, sir. Um, I enjoy these very much. But that's what I like to hear. You're very, very committed, uh, which is always lovely to have. Um, thank you guys for listening uh, make sure you stay tuned obviously this will be the last one before Christmas so we will, all of us on the podcast would like to wish you all guys a Merry Christmas and make sure you check out our next episode which we will be recording straight after this but we'll come out a couple of days later just before the new year which is 20, Chelsea in 2021 a review of the season which should be nice to go through since Chelsea have had a very roller coaster season uh, of 2021.